pays you with what you have done to us. Blessed shall he be who takes your little ones and dashes them against the rocks. This is the word of God. Good evening, church. My name is Black for those who are joining us for the first time today. Um, and the life group that Obakeng was speaking about, the tribe, um, I get the blessing and privilege of leading that life group. Um, so, so please come do check us out. If you're a young adult, you're serious about your faith, uh, you want to grow with other young adults, uh, please come visit us. On a Wednesday, we meet here at 6 o'clock. Um, and so we would be delighted to have you join us. Come speak to me afterwards. Come speak to Obakeng herself. Uh, there's a couple of other tribe members here um, who are looking very scared. I don't know why. Um, but here we are. Okay. Um, so if you are joining us for the first time today, you have found us in week two of a very exciting series that we have been looking at called uh, Anthems of the Age. And why did we decide to start the series? Uh, well, because as a church, we believe that there's an important conversation that all of us are supposed to be having. Uh, every single human sitting in this room and anywhere else in the world is supposed to be having a conversation about eternity, about their souls, about Jesus. Um, but yes, I acknowledge standing up here that that conversation is not easy to start. It's not easy to be part of. And so uh, I I don't want to be that guy who just rocks up uh, at pick and pay while you're doing your shopping and I I jam your face and I'm like, yo, you know Jesus died for you, right? Um, That that would be weird. That would be awkward. Um, But music is actually an easy way for us to broach the subject. Um, Music is common to all of us sitting in this room. Um, Even if, uh, you know, you are blessed in age like some of our our elders at the back that I won't look at directly because I'm black and you don't look at your elders in the face. And the last time they listened to any music was when Mandela was alive. But anyway, um, they still have some music uh, that has touched their lives. Um, and so the thing about music is that when artists and musicians do what God created them to do, uh, they then become the ears, the eyes, and the mouthpiece Um, for us as a culture, as a people. Some of our deepest needs, our deepest longings, some of our deepest thoughts are communicated to us uh, through music. And so we want to do that. We want to start this conversation with you. If you're joining us for the first time, you are new, you walked in here, you probably saw a church and you're like, I don't even know what this thing is about, but I'm just going to walk in. Um, I'm glad you're here. God brought you here. God wants you to have this conversation. I want you to have this conversation. I'm going to pray to ask God to help us as we hear him speak to to us through his word. So let's pray. Father, we are grateful for the Psalms. Father, the Psalms are songs. They're songs that your people sang. They are songs that your people sang through various times for various needs, Lord. Times of distress and times of celebration and times of hopelessness. Even in times where you have answered the prayer and they were hopeful, they sang. Um, And as South Africans, Father, singing is something that's part of who we are. Um, And so I pray that you would use songs, the song that we're going to be looking at today, uh, to get us to actually start thinking deeper about our lives and where we're going to spend our eternity. Um, Your word is active. Your word is living. It's not just ink on page. And so I pray, Father, that by your Holy Spirit, you would take this word 
planted into our hearts. I don't know whose heart is here. I can't see their hearts. Um, but Lord, you see them. And so I pray that you would use your word this evening to speak to those needs in the various hearts that are represented in this room. In precious name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen, amen. Serafina's um, our father. Zahara's loliwe. Jup jups ndikokele. And Inox and Tonga's nkosisigelela. What do all of these songs have in common? Well, I think the thing that they have in common is the South African spirit of longing for God's presence in our lives. Um, Say whatever you want to say about South Africa and her people, but there remains this one thing that's undeniable about South Africans. Uh, We have a very intriguing and interesting sense and understanding of who God is. Rebecca Malupe, Vuyomukohena, Joyous Celebration, we will worship Kayam Tetwa, Soli Mashangu, Soli Muhulofo, Pastor David, Lebusi Khobela, or Spirit of Praise. What do all of these artists have in common? Well, it's easy. We'll say they're all gospel singers. Uh, but why do I bring them up this evening? Well, because uh, all of these artists, and many like them, have been able to transcend the gospel music industry. Their music has left the church. And it's actually impacted and has been embraced by the larger culture of South Africa. And I think these artists have managed to do this at least for two reasons. There might be many more other reasons. I'm just not that smart to think of all of them. But two for us this evening. Reason number one. I think these artists have managed to tap into this undeniable spirit, South African spirit, for our longing for God's presence. And so they created their music informed by that culture. But secondly, and most importantly, they created, inspired by God to transform the same culture. If you don't believe me or you still think, what is this guy talking about? Let me give you some practical life examples. When you think about your drunk uncle who leaves the Shabin at 12 midnight, what song is he singing at the top of his lungs as he's walking back home? Rebecca Malope. <laughs> When you think about your cousin's wedding that's coming up in December in Limpopo, best believe Solomon Hulu is going to be playing there. Amen? Or how many of us have survived spring cleaning? Why do black people spring clean in winter? But anyway, how many of us have survived spring cleaning because Rebecca Malupe or Vuyomukwena or Spirits of Praise helped us throughout this torture? Your mother says that you must go clean the walls. Why do we clean walls? But the comforting thing was hearing Spirit of Praise play in the background. You hated it, but by the time you finished with your spring cleaning, you were a qualified gospel singer yourself. Right? So it doesn't matter where we are. In a taxi rank, at a funeral, at a tavern, at a school assembly, at a graduation ceremony, at a wedding, the first time you purchase a car, um, or... Um, best believe South Africans will be singing gospel songs. There's just this thing about us. And that's why the song that we're looking at today, I believe, is an anthem of our age. I think that song really transcended its own industry and became a South African cultural icon. And that's Jerusalem. It's truly and authentically a South African gem. 
So why would we consider this um, an anthem of our age? For a number of reasons. It's currently sitting at 540 million views on YouTube. Um, It is 13 times platinum in six different countries. It is three times gold in three different countries and one time diamond in France. And roughly still is currently charting in over 26 music charts across the globe. If you're confused by these numbers, let me paint it in a different way. If this was the 80s, you would think that Michael Jackson was a 27-year-old named Master KG from Limpopo. Right? Because this song has reached those kind of heights. Um, And so with that in mind, there's no doubt that this is certainly an anthem of our age. It's no doubt that Master KG and Nomtebo Zikote have enshrined themselves in the Hall of Fame of the many South African artists who've transcended their own industry and have become, again, cultural icons. What is the message of the song? In an interview, Master KG said when he was producing this song, he wanted to tap into, again, this South African spirit of longing for the presence of God. And he knew that the song would connect to that thing that's all that's in all of us as South Africans. When Nomdeba was also interviewed, she said the first time she heard the song, she immediately connected with it and couldn't write about anything else but this better city called Jerusalem. She was drained by the music industry. Little girl who came from KZN, came to Joburg to fulfill her dreams, has been pushing For most of us, we just know her from this song, but she's been in this industry for years. So by the time Master KG calls her, she was just at her wit's end. She was done with Joburg, done with the music industry, and just was crying out to God for a better city than the one that she thought would give her dreams. And so I want to ask you a question this evening, church. Probably a rhetorical question, but, but which city in South Africa is famous? Jersey. That's why most of you are sitting in this room right now. <laughs> you left your villages and your townships, whatever other place you come from, to come here because of the glitz and the glamour and the prospects of a better life that Joburg promises. But I bet you if we dig a little bit deeper and ask ordinary South Africans like all of us sitting in this room, which city would you prefer? Johannesburg or Jerusalem? Which city do you prefer this evening? With all that Joburg and particularly Midrand where we are, with all that Midrand has given you, promises to give you, what city would you prefer? Jerusalem or Johannesburg? See, I don't know what other South Africans would pick, but here's one thing I know for sure that there's been many more songs written, sung, and performed about Jerusalem than Johannesburg. There's been more versions of Jerusalem before this famous one. And now there's even more with the success of Master KG and Nomtebo Zikote's song. Many people have remixes and many others' versions are popping up everywhere. But here's the great thing about all of these versions of Jerusalem. They all carry this one message. There is a better city than the earthly cities that we find ourselves in. There is a better city. You might be sitting here this evening and somebody invited you because they see that your work, Midran particularly, has drained you. And they want you to come meet a God who will take you to a better city. 
who am I talking to this evening? Some of us are sitting here, and we've probably come to realize that all that Midrand or Joburg has promised us um, is actually not free. It's not easy to get the stuff that Midrand says we can get. You've paid with your life. You're paying currently with your peace of mind. You're paying with your sanity. Midrand, Joburg keeps on taking over and over and over again. How many relationships are you going to go through and give yourself to? Until you find the right midrand guy with the right bank balance. <laughs> and church, we've seen all the memes about midrand. A guy who tries the seven series and yet sleeps on his ironing board. <laughs> and we laugh about that stuff. But there might be those guys sitting in this room this evening. You are drowning in debt. You're trying to keep up with the midrand lifestyle. Can't hang out at coffee every day. Coffee is expensive, gents. You can't keep up with the lifestyle of Midrand. You, you have bitten off more than you can actually chew. You are sitting here this evening just because you're tired. You came to church hoping for some relief, hoping for some help. If I was a black mother, I would say, I was stressed. But to some of us sitting here this evening... Who think to yourself, I know Midrand has taken much, but I still have more to give. I just want to hustle a little bit more. If I could put in extra hours, not hang out with my friends anymore. Even now, the friend who invited me to church, I was like, this is the last time I'm going to church with you. 2023, I am hustling. And you hoping that in 2023, Midrand will return the investment. Wake up. There is a better city, a city that offers you real rest. There is a city that offers you real hope and true light, a city that changes your heart, a city that changes how you think, a city that influences how you live. Even now, wake up. My prayer is that today you would abandon your citizenship of this world, your citizenship of Midrand or Johannesburg, and you will apply for a new citizenship to this city that is better than any other city that we find ourselves in. It's Jerusalem. That city is wide open, handing out citizenships. It's there. So I'm praying that you would apply for a new citizenship this evening. In your handouts, um, if you could flip over there, we are looking at Psalm 137. So for those who are new to this church thing, uh, what is a psalm? A psalm is a sacred song, a hymn, or a poem that was sung by God's people for various reasons uh, in many different occasions. Um, In fact, the Bible has 150 psalms. Tonight we are looking at Psalm 137. What is this psalm about? Uh, Well, this psalm is actually about the time that God's people did not have a song to sing. It's a song about remembering a time when God's people did not have a song to sing. That might not sound like a scary thought, but, but just imagine South Africans unable to sing. How hopeless would that be? How depressing would that be? You go to any funeral, you get, go to any wedding, you go to any uh, celebration and South Africans would be quiet. Yeah, see, that would be depressing. And so this psalm is about that. 
A time God's people did not have a song to sing. And so we're going to dig around to try and find clues in this psalm, to try and answer this question, why did God's people not have a song to sing? So jump over there in verses 1 with me. Um, The songwriter or the psalmist is telling us that God's people were sitting by the waters of this place called Babylon, but they're weeping as they're sitting there. Might this be the reason why they don't have a song? They can't sing because they're crying. But we don't know why they're crying yet. And so we have to dig a little bit deeper. Look in verses 3. We are told that they have captors. They have tormentors. What does that tell us? These people are not only captured, but they are also being oppressed by the same people who have captured them. In verses 4, we actually get an even direct answer to this question. They ask a question. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? So they're weeping, they've been captured, they've been tormented. Why? Because they are not at home. They are not at home. So it makes sense why they would be weeping. They're mourning that. They are, they are sorrowful. They are experiencing grief. They have lost their home. So as we read them, verses 4, two natural questions come up for us. Who are these captors? Where is their home? Verses 8, read with me there what verses 8 says. O daughter of Babylon, doomed to be destroyed, blessed shall he be who repays you with what you have done to us. And so we know that Babylon, whatever this place is, has has captured them. Uh, Verses 1, hence they're saying that they're sitting at the rivers of Babylon. So they are away from home and they have been exiled to this place called Babylon. So where is their home? Verses 1, they say that they're weeping, remembering Zion. Verses 3, their captors force them or torment them to sing the songs of Zion. And so Zion is their home. It's the place that they were taken from. Verses 6, verses 5 and 6 rather, they introduce another name, Jerusalem. Is this a new place? Is this the same place as Zion? Well, let's think about what we've already seen. In verses 1, they weeping because they remember Zion. In verses 5, they don't want to forget Jerusalem, which is the same expression of the desire to want to remember. So in verses 6, they declare how much they want to remember Jerusalem. So it's all this remembering language. So we can conclude there that Zion and Jerusalem are actually the same place. They are away from home. They are at their wit's end. They are in a foreign city. They are not in their own place. They are despondent. They are experiencing hopelessness and deep despair. It's actually crazy when you read verses 2. These are singers. These are people who played their instruments because they were in a relationship with God. They worshiped God. They would sing and play their instruments even when they're in sorrow. Verses 2, they hang up their instruments. That is a visible sign of their defeat. That's a visible sign of their hopelessness. That's a visible sign to say we completely surrender and we give up. Babylonians, you have won. You have captured us. You have managed to destroy us and even destroy our hope. We are hanging up our instruments. Verses 3, Babylonians kicked them 
while they're on the floor. The Babylonians drive the knife even deeper. They can clearly see the visible sign of defeat. Their instruments are hung on the willows. So you can hear this sinister laugh or this this satanic laugh under verses 3. The Babylonians see their instruments and they torment them and say, you still have to sing for us. You have to get your instruments and sing the songs of Zion. Kicking them while they're down. Kicking them when they've already been captured. Kicking them when they're already being oppressed. This is what Nom Kleber was feeling when she wrote Jerusalem. The music industry kept on kicking her. Over and over and over again. She gave herself to chasing this dream. Joburg kept on kicking her over and over and over again. So you might be sitting here this evening again being invited by somebody and you just at your wit's ends. You have nothing left to give to the city. You have nothing left to give to that relationship. You have nothing left to give to that job. You have nothing left to give to your sin. All the bad decisions that you've made in your life, you have nothing left to give to all of that. You are tired of lying and living a double life. You're just at your wit's end. Because every single thing that you've tried, Joba keeps on kicking and kicking and kicking. This hustling lifestyle, this glitz and glamour, just keeps on taking and taking more and more from you. City has captured you. You are enslaved again by this glitz and glamour. The false promises of Midran have eaten you up. The promiscuous lifestyle of the city has drained you. And you sitting here this evening, all you want is to be whole again. All you desire for is to have some sense of belonging. So God is saying to you this evening, do not give up. He's not giving up on you. You sitting on the seat is evidence that he's not giving up on you. The nights are still young. We still have a couple of verses to go through the psalm. So God hasn't given up on you yet. Don't give up. There's hope. Verses 4 till 6. God's people who are downcast, who are oppressed, who have been captured, turn to the only place they can find real hope. Verses 4, when they ask the question, how can we sing songs of the Lord in a foreign land? What they're actually alluding to is the relationship that they have with God. They don't sing songs, nje. They sing songs because they're in a relationship with God. And so when they're taken away from Zion, or Jerusalem, where God's temple was, God's temple was a visible sign of God's presence in their midst, And so now the temple is not there. They cannot see the temple. They cannot see a visible sign of God's presence in their midst. And so they're feeling despondent. They're feeling very uh, discouraged. And so they're asking the question, how can we sing when there's no sign of our relationship with God anymore? And so even in verses 4, we can see them turning to their first love. Verses 5 and 6, the psalmist makes it very clear there who their first love is. In fact, in verses 5, he says um, that they want to attach their hope to the remembrance of Jerusalem. In other words, Jerusalem is a symbol of their hope. 
Jerusalem represents a true promise, God's presence, forgiveness, and the salvation that they need. All that is good is awaiting for them in Jerusalem. Verses 5, the songwriter says that he would rather lose the functionality of his right hand than to forget Jerusalem. See, the right hand most, some of the times in the Bible is, is symbolic of power, but in this case, it's symbolic of the, the will to live. And so what the psalmist of the song is saying to us here is that if I forget Jerusalem, I'm just as good as dead. I don't have any hope. In verses 6, he says, if I forget Jerusalem, I might as well not have a voice. And bear in mind, this is a, a culture that has a very strong or, oral tradition. So your voice represented who you are. It represented your identity. And so what the psalmist is saying is that if I forget Jerusalem, I might as well forget who I am. I don't have an identity if I forget Jerusalem. I don't know who I am if I, I forget Jerusalem. But they rest their hope on their relationship with God. You see that in verses 4. It's not necessarily on Jerusalem. Jerusalem reminds them of their first love. Jerusalem reminds them of all the good things that they find in the, relation, in, the, in, the in the God that they have a relationship with. So as I look around, I, I ask you this evening, where's your relationship with God? Or maybe to even ask a more pointed question, do you have a relationship with See, everything that is good, that's right, that's noble, that's just, all of that is found in God. True hope, freedom, joy, pleasure, satisfaction, all of that is in God's hands. So if you desire, after all that Jerusalem offers, what you're actually desiring is a relationship with God. You're tired of Midrand and you want freedom. You're desiring a relationship with God. You're downcast, you're depressed, you're at your wit's ends, you want hope. You are desiring a relationship with God. Do you have a relationship with God? So remember again, the symbol that they used for, for God's presence in their midst was the temple. So you might be sitting here today and you look around and you think, well, I'm in a modern day temple, uh, so does this mean that I'm close to God? Well, in that sense, no, because God has a different idea of what a temple is. In fact, Ryan is going to put up John um, 1 verse 14. Listen to what God says uh, a temple is. John 1 14. And the word reads, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. So what is John saying there? Well, John is saying that God the father, whose presence was represented by a building before. Today in 2023, it's not represented by a building, but it's represented by his own son. By his own son, the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I mean, think about this. If, if you want to know a CEO, you could go find whatever building that he's running. 
He could look at that building and say, I can see this building, and there's things about this building that will tell me about the CEO. And most buildings have the name of the CEO written on it. And so there's some things that you might know about the CEO. But if you want to know the CEO better, it's better if you get to know his son. Same person who's made of the same substance, of the same essence. It's better to know his son. In fact, John says in that verse, God is full of grace, of truth, and glory. In the same breath, he turns around and says, Jesus is full of grace, truth, and glory. He uses this word, dwelt. What does that word mean? It means to tent. It means to tabernacle. It means to temple. If in the Old Testament, the psalm that we are reading, God tabernacled with them or tented with them in the temple, he does that now through Jesus. Jesus is God's temple. And so what you need is not a geographical city. What you need is not a building. What you need is Jesus. You need Jesus. All the good things, the peace of mind that you long for, the truth, the hope, the love, the kindness, the freedom, the satisfaction and true pleasure, all of those are embodied in Jesus. Without Jesus, all these things are just nice ideas. But with Jesus, these things are in their right place and they have true meaning. See, when Nomtebo says, in Dawoyami, Aikola, my place is not here. Umbusowama, Wukola, my kingdom, or the kingdom I belong to, is not here. She is rightly acknowledging that Jerusalem is a city or a kingdom that's outside of this world, and the only access through that city, what I'm saying to us this evening, is Jesus and Jesus alone. If you're going to get citizenship into the city, your ID means nothing. But your relationship with Jesus means everything. If you're going to abandon your citizenship of this city, of this world, and this evening you're going to apply for a new citizenship of this better city, you have to give your life to Jesus. Surrender your citizenship, meaning surrender the way you think. Surrender the way you've been living. Surrender where all your desires and your passions and your ambitions have been dedicated to. Surrender all of that to Jesus. Surrender the relationship that you're protecting to Jesus. Surrender the money that you're harboring to Jesus. Surrender your mental health to Jesus. If you're going to enter into this better city. See, this world that we live in has nothing for us. If you read there in Psalm 137 from verses 7 till 9. Verses 7 till 9 are really grim. Um, Verses 9, it ends with babies getting crushed on rocks. Um, You didn't think you were going to come to church and see that. Uh, But here we are now. Um, there's nothing left for us in this world. Look at what, what verses 7 says. Remember, O Lord, against uh, the Edomites, the day of Jerusalem, how they said, lay it bare, lay it bare, down to its foundations. Who are the Edomites? They're like distant cousins or relatives of God's people, of the Israelites. And so what verses 7 is telling us is that the day the Babylonians captured the Israelites and took them away, their cousins or distant relatives were celebrating. Look at them being captured. Destroy them. Down to its foundations. 
For some of us sitting here today, that is our reality. You have hit a difficult time. Again, you've been feeling alone, isolated in this big city, trying to chase the dream and nothing has been working for you. And guess what everybody else home is saying? The people that were supposed to support you, the people that were supposed to have your back. Who did you think you are going to Joburg? Haven't you seen where we come from? Or you think you're a clever one now to have the first degree in our family? Or you think you're better now that you live in the suburbs? Look at you. Graduated, but you still don't have a job. The very same people that you thought would have your back. But again, Jesus has his arms wide open this evening. And he's saying, Abandon your citizenship of this world. This world has nothing for you. Come to him. Come into his family this evening. Verses 9. Blessed shall he be who takes your little ones and dashes them against the rocks. It's a cruel thing to imagine. A cruel thing to even do. But that's exactly what the Babylonians used to do to everybody that they captured. When they captured the Israelites, they took their infants and dashed them on the rocks as a sign of ultimate defeat. And see, in this world of dog-eat-dog, all we have is this vicious cycle of revenge because that's what the Israelites are actually praying for. God, they did this to us. We pray that you do the same thing to them. If we give ourselves over to this world, all we're left with is the cycle of revenge. It never ends. It never ends. Midrand has taken so much from you, you get so frustrated and you think, I'm going to take everything back. So you're going to fight for everything. You're going to push people out of the side. You, you're just going to play dirty because you are tired and frustrated. That cycle just never ends. If it ever does, it ends with you and your downfall. So most of us sitting in this room are just decent people who want to live normal lives, trouble-free. But if you're going to play by the dirty rules of this world, guess what? You're not going to win. You're not going to win. So what God is saying to you this evening through this psalm, wake up, there's a better city. There's a better city that offers you rest. There's a better city that offers you true light and hope and life. Jesus has come into this world to carry your load. He says to all those who are are, are weary and, and heavy laden, come to me and I will take your load, I will take your burdens. He's come into this world so that you can have rest in him. You've been catch, captured by the lies of the city and of this world. And when I say that, don't hear me thinking that I'm saying we should hate our city. No. In John 17, in fact, Jesus prays that God does not take us out of the world, but live, leaves us in this world. Why? Because if we stay in this world with a different citizenship, we can impact and influence this world for, 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 for a better change. But right now, you can't. You sound like the city. You look like the city. You're captured by the city. You're enslaved by the city. If we want to make any significant difference and change in our city, you need to belong to a citizenship or a kingdom that is other 
that belongs in a different world, in a different sphere, and yet penetrates and influences this world. So Jesus has his arms wide open. Come to him. If you need rest, if you need freedom, if you need hope, if you need a way out this evening, apply for a new citizenship. Amen. Amen. I'm going to help us to do that. There's going to be a prayer on the screen. If you feel that you you want to apply for a new citizenship, that you are done with just going with the ebb and flow of this world, you are done giving your allegiance and most importantly giving yourself to this world. I'm going to recite this prayer so that you know where we're going. And then I'm going to give us an opportunity for those who want to pray this prayer. That you would do so in the quietness of your own heart. Listen to what it says. Lord God, I am weary and tired. The world, Satan, and my own sin have taken much from me. I am empty and need to be whole in a new and fresh way. The way to be filled is to be in a relationship with you. So help me abandon my current citizenship. Help me let go of my current ways of thinking and living. Help me to turn to Jesus, your true temple. Help me to run into his arms as he welcomes me into his family. Tonight, I want to be a citizen of the true Jerusalem, the heavenly city, a kingdom that is beyond this world. Please change me from the inside and help me to walk in the truth of your light and word. If that's you this evening, we will bow our heads right now um, and you can recite this prayer again in the quietness of your own heart. Lord God, I am weary and tired. The world, Satan, and my own sin have taken much from me. I am empty, and I need to be whole in a new and fresh way. The way to be filled is to be in a relationship with you. Help me abandon my current citizenship. Help me let go of my current ways of thinking and living. Help me to turn to Jesus, your true temple. Help me to run into his arms as he welcomes me into his family. Tonight, I want to be a citizen of the true Jerusalem, the heavenly city, a kingdom that is beyond this world. Please change me from the inside and help me to walk in the truth of your light and word. Amen. Amen.